Okay, first and foremost, we are not mental health professionals. We are here to share our experience, but we can't give you medical advice. If you're experiencing a crisis, please reach out to a local or national resource. You can reach the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or find additional mental health resources on the ABA website. Hey everybody, it's Caitlin. Sorry for the sound, as you can tell, or may be able to tell, I am not currently in this studio. Um, we had a little bit of sound difficulties and technical difficulties this week, so we unfortunately lost a piece of our recording. So I'm just dropping in really quickly to do a very quick intro to this episode, and I also have a short announcement for you all. So if you listened to last week's episode, then you already know that this week we are continuing our interview with Heidi K. Brown, author of the books The Introverted Lawyer and Untangling Fear in Lawyering. In the episode coming up, you're going to hear us talk through all seven steps of Heidi's seven-step journey to becoming a better advocate and to amplifying your voice in this profession. I hope you enjoyed the first half of the interview last week, and I know you're going to enjoy this week. But before I let you guys listen to that, I've got to tell you something really quickly. Um, So I personally have been really, really overwhelmed lately, both with my professional life and some things going on in my personal life. And Laura has been the absolute most supportive self-care partner that I could have asked for. And I have asked her if we could take a short hiatus from recording the podcast. We've been recording every single week for maybe like 20 weeks now almost since, I don't know, back in last like October maybe. Um, And it has been an amazing journey. It has been so much fun, but we're at a point now where we want to take some time away to plan out some content. We've already got some really great connections and really great people that we want to bring in and talk to for you all. So we're going to take a couple of weeks to step away and to plan out those interviews and get ready for what we'll call sort of like a second season of Men's Sauna Emotion for Mental Health. I hope you all know we have had so much fun this far and this is not the end. We truly are just taking a couple of weeks to like I said, plan out some content and make sure we've got a really solid lineup for the next episodes to come. So our plan right now is to be back April 1st. We'll keep you updated via the Instagram account if anything changes. But in the meantime, catch up on old episodes that you haven't listened yet to um, keep sharing us with your friends, keep reaching out to us and giving us feedback. Let us know what you might want to hear in the next season going forward, things that you haven't heard us talk about yet, or maybe even topics that we've already talked about that you want us to build on a little bit more. Um, And as always, if you want to share your story, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We're always looking to hear from our listeners and figure out how we can best serve you all. So, With that being said, once again, I want to give a huge thank you to Laura for being the absolute best self-care partner. Um, Just really quickly, like I said, I've been super duper overwhelmed over the last week and Laura knows that and she has checked in on me a few times. She has been amazingly supportive and I really can't, I can't be more thankful. So thank you, Laura. I know that you are not going to hear this until it's published, so Um, thank you and I appreciate you and I appreciate all of our listeners and I hope you all enjoy the second half of our interview with Heidi. 
Okay, so last week we left off um, with some foundational questions, and we said we were going to dive in next into the seven steps that you talk about in your book. And I think that this is a really great framework for all of our listeners. I put in our notes before the episode that I think um, a lot of what we're about to talk about is applicable to everyone, not necessarily just introverts. I think you can apply this to many things. Like for me, I still consider myself an extrovert, but I think for my anxiety, a lot of what we're about to talk about can be really, really helpful for that. Um, so, so let's just dive right in. Okay. So steps one and two talk about mental and physical reflection. We talk about self-assessment on this podcast all the time, and we've talked about pretty generally like making sure you're assessing your physical feelings and your mental feelings when it comes to mental health issues. So like for me, I've got a lot of physical manifestations of my anxiety and a lot of mental manifestations of my anxiety. So talk to us about like I'm not but but also another thing that you talk about in steps one and two is actually writing your thoughts down verbatim and that was something we've never talked about but I think it's well you might do that more when you journal but like I've never done that and so can you talk to us about how you came up with this and how it's so important and and how it works for you sure so when I was researching my book I I did read a bunch of other sources and resources and from other experts and I came across this book by Ivy Neistat it's called speak without fear and I think that's where I got the first step from where she recommends really listening to your mental soundtrack. So for me, it was a matter of anticipating an event that would normally give me anxiety or paying attention to my soundtrack when I was in it, when I was in one of those moments. And writing it down, though, made it so much more concrete for me. I mean, for me, I love to write, and writing is healing for me. But doing it, making myself write down this step, it made me realize all the terrible things I tell myself every time I... I s- either anticipate a scary performance event or I'm in it. And writing it down, it made me realize, okay, where have I heard this before? And that was a huge step for me to realize that I have been telling myself these negative things about my abilities for really decades. Yeah. And Ivy Neistat's book says, you know, this is not a blame game. We're not going to call up our, you know, high school volleyball coach and say, you ruined my life. <laughs> but it's a humongous step for us to really listen to that mental soundtrack, write down the words, realize how harmful the words are, and then do a little bit of reflection on where we might have heard that before, or have we been telling ourselves this for a really long time? Are these messages outdated? Did they come from maybe a well-meaning, maybe not so well-meaning, but maybe a well-meaning person, a coach, a teacher, a family member, that we either misinterpreted or, or interpreted correctly, but then replayed on a loop in our minds. For really, for me, it was decades. But writing it down, I saw it, and I realized, why am I allowing this voice to come in to every performance with me now, a- as a lawyer, as a law professor? Like, this was 20, 30, almost 40 years ago, okay? So she the person who said some of the things that I remembered when I was doing that act I I realized I can't invite her to every one of these performances she's not invited anymore (laughs) (laughs) but I had to write it down to to realize that's what I was telling myself so that's step one is just reflecting on those messages so we can identify them and then in later steps you you overwrite them you delete them I love the writing idea I know um I we um I think I yeah my my um, mental health update last week involved 
um, sort of parsing out my individual feelings about it. So I really like that idea. That's great. Like it also like to see like kind of how like ridiculous maybe the words on the page look and like that's really the messaging that I'm telling myself over and over. And I think that your point about things being outdated really hits home for me too because um, I feel like you carry around these narratives about who you are as a person and how you act in certain situations and maybe you've come up with that on your own or maybe somebody else said something forever ago about you and you're like oh this is a defining trait that I have and through my work and like group therapy and therapy and my own sort of thought work and just listening to podcasts and stuff I've come to realize several frameworks that just don't really fit me anymore but and it's not even necessarily like some bad train of thought or something that's like on its face negative it could be a neutral thing but like they just don't fit me anymore now that I'm like a 29 year old attorney and I'm carrying around the thing that I said about myself when I was 21 yes it's just not fitting and it doesn't I I was able to like let go of blame about that it wasn't I was like yeah that worked for me for a time and it helped me in x y and z ways and now we're ready to move on to a new thing because this is more helpful so I love that idea for sure going to be practicing that more and the letting go thing feeds into step two as well. So should I talk about yeah, the physical? Yeah, okay, so, so step two is is basically doing the same thing, but to our physical bodies. So when I was trying to figure all this out for myself, I tried to do a really specific inventory or like physical survey from head to toe of, of how my body, how my physical body manifests anxiety or reacts to anticipating a stressful event or what happens to me when I'm in it. And when I was younger and taking all those depositions, the stressful depositions are going to court. I was always embarrassed about my blushing. So I always wore turtlenecks or scarves or something to, you know, try to hide. But I, w- I was just strangling myself, basically. So that was one thing I noticed that that I instinctively would try to cover myself. And then also when I get um, very anxious, my body instinctively caves in. It tries to fold up. So my shoulders cave forward. I cross my legs. Um, I cross my arms. I try to get small. But all that did for me was block my energy flow, my blood flow, my oxygen flow. So my the way I manifest physically um, stress is my heart beats really fast. I sweat. Uh, I, I don't shake, but my, my face turns red and I, I you know do have all the blushing stuff. So but I needed to actually do that slow physical inventory to realize how each part of my body was was blocking all the things that I needed to be able to think clearly. Yeah. So I wrote it all down too. Yeah. I, I literally was like, okay, it's the turtlenecks, it's the scarves, <laughs> my shoulders came forward, I crossed my legs, I crossed my arms, I hunched down, and none of that is good for me. Yeah. That reminds me of um, a TED talk that I listened to about, do you know what I'm talking about? Like the... The power poses? Yeah, the yes. power poses and like sitting up straight and like standing like I think it was like the sort superhero. of like yeah the superhero yeah, stance Amy and Cuddy. stuff yes. Amy Cuddy C-U-D-D-Y she has a great TED talk about that okay so sort of similarly yes. in that fashion that's yes. great um I remember after listening to that I was sort of like I'm gonna sit up to see what happens I don't know it kind of it kind of helps a little bit actually it was it kind does. of I remember I remember it being like oh that's kind of cool like a minor what do you think is a really minor change just literally fixing your posture and standing up straight and kind of assuming like a confident posture makes a difference that's what's fun about this because these are these are really subtle minor things that we can do but layered on top of each other they have dramatic differences yeah I like the 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 guide and I think we've talked about that too like our physical and probably in our self-assessment episodes we've talked about like 
I don't know. I remember us talking about like our hives and like the palm setting and just sort of also we were breaking it down for the purposes of, okay, if you break it down into discrete physical symptoms, it's not as scary as saying like, oh, I'm having a panic attack or I'm having an anxiety attack or I'm having this episode that's happening. It's kind of like, what is exactly happening? Can you deal with your palm sweating? Okay. Mm -hmm. Got it. Check. Got some hives. All right. I mean, that's less than ideal, but (laughs) you know, and just sort of going through and like not making it turn into this giant dramatic mm-hmm. thing that you're also panicking over that is yeah i i agree with everything <laughs> that was just said so cool um okay so the next steps are and i like grouped some of them together just because i thought they went together but so the next steps are three and four which deal with expelling those negatives that you've just identified and manifesting new positives again both mentally and physically and I just want to reiterate I love that you're intertwining the mental and physical aspects of all of this because even though like being an introvert isn't a mental health disorder or something I think that when we are trying to identify these and understand these intangible aspects of our lives learning how the mental and physical aspects of those things work together can be really important because I think when it's something intangible we forget that it can also be very physical or when it's physical we forget that can it can also be mental so I love that we're talking about these two things together but so so my thought about um this expelling these negatives and manifesting new positives is that for someone like me who feels very stuck in my ways and I've been the same person for 27 years dealing with my anxiety in the same way how how do you do that how do you learn how to not uh engage in those same behaviors and instead start building these new positive ones it's it's amazing how the mental and physical work together to to help us change what we're just used to doing that isn't working yeah so what I realized is okay now that now that I did step one and step two and I'm armed with this new information about myself through the self-assessment step three is sort of rewriting your mental soundtrack so for me if I'm anticipating a scary event or something a big deal event I know those old messages are going to creep back so I, I literally have to write out things like okay you you're excited to talk about this stuff you know what you're talking about you're prepared you've done the work you uh, have something important to say you're entitled to say it in your voice you're going to do the best job you can so it might sound a little touchy-feely or no i love that though that's it's that basic for me yeah but i know that the the old negative messages are going to creep in because they just do because that's my pattern but now you you remember the firefighter mantra stop drop and roll yeah from high school yeah well that's how i look at step three is Okay, I'm, I'm in the moment, I'm stressing out, I'm starting to feel like I, my face is going to turn red or people are going to think I'm, I'm incompetent or stupid or whatever. And then I, I, do st- I do the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, I don't literally roll on the ground. <laughs> sometimes that might feel good. But I just stop and I say, oh, wait, no, that's just that message. That's just that old soundtrack again. It's outdated. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. My new soundtrack is, and I repeat all the things that I wrote out, yeah. like I, I've done the work, I'm prepared for this, I have something to say, I care about what I'm going to talk about, I'm entitled to say it. And I literally will say that to myself. So it's like a 30-second reboot for me. And it reminds me that I don't have to keep doing my old way, I have a new plan. And then I launch into step four, because step four is the physical. So immediately when I'm, when I'm realizing, oh, I'm hearing my old mental soundtrack again, I'm going to repeat my new one, 
I realize what my body has done. And my body has tried to curl up in a little pretzel again. So at the same time, I'm telling myself the good positive stuff, the realistic positive stuff. This is not just, you know, made up positive talk or whatever. This is like concrete positive messages that are true. I realize, okay, I've hunched my shoulders. I'm going to put my shoulders back. And this is where Amy Cuddy's power pose thing kicks in. Because I realize even if I'm in a meeting and I'm seated at a chair, I can sit like, like a superhero. I can put my hands on my hips. I can put my shoulders back. And I put both feet on the ground. And then I breathe. And it just making that subtle change in my physical body reminds me that I know what I'm doing. I've gotten through this before. I'm not going to have a panic attack because sometimes when my heart races really fast. I feel yeah. like this is happening again and oh my gosh. But if I can do that stop, drop and roll thing and remind myself that, I'm, that I've got this and then make the physical changes, it can, even if I'm dialing down my anxiety like one notch or two notches, I'm able to think Yeah, and then I can get through it. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I <laughs> So I when my heart starts beating really fast, I like start getting anxiety that other people can hear it in my voice. And then my voice is shaky. And then it's like, oh my God, I, I need to calm down. And then I'm panicking even more. So that's, that's really helpful. And I think that actually, so my, my firm is virtual. So most of my client meetings are just on the phone and I'm usually in my pajamas. So I don't turn my video on. It's just voice. But I, I do the same thing. I have the same tendencies of like curling up or crossing my arms or, you know, when I start getting nervous, I'll like weirdly like back away from my computer or something like that. But I haven't seen this TED talk, but I've tried to sometimes when I'm on the phone, I stand up like I put my AirPods in and I stand up and I try to be very intentional about the way that I'm standing and and that way it makes it, it like I again I haven't seen the TED talk but I've noticed that it makes me feel more comfortable on the phone so I think even if you're on a phone call or something like that these steps can be really really helpful I totally agree with the standing up thing I don't even realize that I'm suddenly I've stood up when I'm on a call and then I realize why am I pacing around my office standing <laughs> up I'm like oh I feel better yeah so there is something I don't know exactly scientifically what it is maybe we can breathe better standing up but it works yeah that one one other thing I'll point out too with um worrying about people noticing because you mentioned you think people could hear it in your yeah. voice for me I worry about when my face turns red but when I was researching my book I read this other book by Erica Hilliard and she wrote, I can't remember the name of her book, but it was about shyness. And she wrote about blushing. And she said, and I burst out laughing when I read what she wrote because it made me so happy. But she said, a blush is life coursing through you. So I laughed because I'm like, oh, oh, great. You know, I'm blushing. Yay me. I'm alive. <laughs> but but it now when I blush, my first instinct is to feel embarrassed or shame because I feel like, oh, people can see me. And then two seconds later, I'm like, oh, wait, yay me. I'm alive. Yeah. And then I don't think about it anymore. That's like what, that. yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to remind myself when my heart starts pounding, when I'm nervous about something. It's like, oh, You're my alive. heart is beating. I'm alive. That's good. That's, I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. It does something <laughs> to change your relationship yeah. with, with that, uh, that uh, physical manifestation that's yeah. positive and it's fun. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, I love that. Okay. So 
Then the next step is step five, which is creating an action agenda. I, I wanted to keep this one separate because I think it can be, it's, I think it's um, a little bit nuanced. It might be a little bit difficult for people to understand if they haven't actually read the book. Um, so, so this action agenda I think is really interesting. And part of it is constructing a reasonable and practical, what you call an exposure agenda. Can you just tell us like what that means and, and how to do that? Yes. So the first time I heard the term exposure, which is in all the psychology literature, I thought that sounds remarkably or dangerously like just do it. Like yeah. just expose yourself and you'll get over it. And I heard that all the time. Mm -hmm. Just take 10 depositions. The 11th, you'll feel great. And I'm like, no, that does not work. So I was really skeptical about exposure, the concept. But when I kept researching and reading, I, I finally understood that the um, psychology literature, the experts say that when we, when we come up with a plan to expose ourselves or an exposure agenda, we, we have control because we're, we're now going to take, let's say, five to ten scenarios that would normally give us anxiety. But an exposure plan is thinking about them and then ranking them from least anxiety producing, still anxiety producing, but least anxiety producing to maybe like middle of the road anxiety to extreme anxiety. And then trying to, if we have some control over our schedule, intentionally stepping into those scenarios with our new step three and four. So with our new mental soundtrack and new physical power pose or whatever or ritual I have a whole routine that I have to do now to get I'm gonna ready. ask you about yeah. that next <laughs> <laughs> um, but so exposure agenda is is really being deliberate about this and thinking about this as a journey and identifying not just one event but maybe 10 events and again ranking them from least anxiety producing to most and then having a plan for each event a pregame plan which is really step six um, a pregame and game day plan and then going into the exposure item and or agenda item and then reflecting on it later and then tweaking your system and then stepping into the next event. So it, it really does work. It really yeah. does work. Now, as lawyers, we don't always have control over what scary things we have to deal with. Um, but if we can take a little control and maybe itemize scenarios that we can consciously work on with, with these new steps, it really helps. I like that, and I like that it it sounds reminiscent to me, like of the foundations of like CBT or cognitive yes. behavioral cognitive behavior therapy, which is built on kind of doing that exposure therapy, but reframing those events yes. for yourself um, and talking about ways to not make them awful um, over and over, and it's less about like just do it and like putting yourself in some awful situation with your same awful framework and your same awful mental health soundtrack playing over and over your arm with all these like new tools when you go back into that situation because I remember having sort of similar feelings about you know most of the therapists I've been searching um had practiced CBT and then I read more about CBT because of course I did this deep dive into research and it was like exposure therapy and I was like well that sounds like a no for me me too I'm not being exposed to things <laughs> I don't want to be exposed to I felt the same way <laughs> so but like it's really not quite that it's not like right. well just you know drown yourself enough in this pool and maybe you'll swim it's really like here's your swimmies and your floaties mm -hmm. and your oxygen tank and look you can swim great Exactly. I, I felt like I had been exposing myself to those scary things. You know, I put myself in trial advocacy mm -hmm. class in law school. You know, I tried out for such and such. You know, I did all these workshops and nothing worked. But it was because I was exposing myself to things without any self-awareness. Right. I didn't know 
I knew I knew what I thought my weaknesses were, but I also didn't know what my strengths were. Mm-hmm. Or I didn't give them any credit, and I and I didn't have a plan for each of the you know kind of the slippery slope mental soundtrack. And I totally had no idea what was going on with my body. Yeah. So now I feel like okay, I can step into those exposure events and practice my routines and come and know that I come out the other side okay. And then the next time I can trust and remember that I came out okay. Yeah, you're armed with things. Yes, and I like it. That's really helpful. I think that's really cool. I, I think that is something that we've like, I feel like some of this stuff is stuff that we've alluded to on the podcast, but we haven't actually put it in such a good framework. So that was step five. Step six and seven are probably my favorite because I grew up an athlete. So having pregame and game rituals have always been really important to me for those, um, for, for games. So I love this. So, so six and seven are pregame and postgame action, post-action reflection. What are your pregame actions and how have they evolved through your career? So I love that you brought up the athlete thing because I've been trying to think of a way to convince people that this is good for this whole process is good for lawyers. Yeah. And I want us to think of ourselves like athletes or, or performers. If people don't, if you know, the sports thing doesn't resonate with some people, performers like, like singers or actors, whatever. Because I, I've done some research, and, and athletes, as you know, being an athlete, they have rituals. And, and it's not superstition. It's rituals to get their bodies and brains and minds and emotions ready for, to, to take the field or, or hit the ball or do whatever. And performers do, too. So I'm going to admit to you, very embarrassingly, I'm obsessed with the band U2. And it's, it's, in, <laughs> it's all in the book. And I listen, I'm just still mad at them from what that time that they dropped an album on my phone without my permission. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still don't understand why everyone's complaining about getting 16 <laughs> songs for free. Um, just delete them. Who cares? But, okay. I love this band. I, I need an intervention because I've seen like a ridiculous number of concerts. My stepdad would be so jealous. It's, he loves them too. They're awesome. So I am also obsessed with like their pre-show rit- rituals. And so Adam Clayton, the bassist, he said actually on a podcast that he always goes to like an art gallery before um, e- events and before shows. And that just gets him like out of his music space, but into like a, a cultural artistic space. So for me, though, um, I used to over prepare for everything. I, I prepared, I prepared, I prepared up until two seconds before I was going on. And that had a negative effect on me. Once I got in the moment, I couldn't remember anything. So I actually have this new process where I prepare and then I stop preparing about 24 to 48 hours before an event and I don't even look at the stuff again, which at first felt really risky, but now my brain is so clear when I, when I go in there. Uh, I also, so and people will always offer, hey, do you want me to moot your, your presentation? I'm like, no, and, <laughs> I, and I started to say, that's not part of my process. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, you have a process? I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. So I, I do a lot of, uh, also on the performing thing, the, so are you okay with the band Coldplay at least? Yes, okay. Coldplay's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know these are, these are older bands or whatever. But no, no, So no. Coldplay, Chris Martin does 18 different things before he goes on stage. Oh, my God. 18? 18. And he says some of them are too embarrassing to even admit <laughs> out loud, but he needs to do his 18 things. So I don't really have 18, but <laughs> I definitely exercise before a big performance. Um, I Boxing has become like a huge part of my life. So I'll either do like a one-on-one session, not not like the day of, but it, it's part of my prepping for like a big event. I always listen to a couple songs. I do the power pose. 
I also don't have people around me. So I've, I've just been able to say to people, look, I need to go be alone for five minutes before I go on. There will constantly be people trying to talk to me. And, and I've had to learn, train myself how to not be rude, but literally leave and go walk away and walk around. I used to race to events because I didn't want to be late. And now I'm like, you need to do a slow walk, even if I have to walk around a building. So there's just lots of different layers depending on the, the event that I, I do adjust my pregame plan. But it always involves um, stopping, preparing. It always involves working out. It always involves playing like a, a peppy song from my band that I like. <laughs> and I, oh, I also have I've had these bracelets made with lyrics of songs that I oh like. Cool. And I'll try to wear, I have a whole bunch of them, so I'll wear them. If I'm feeling really nervous, I'll wear one of those because I just instinctively touch my hands when I'm, when I'm presenting. And it, it's a reminder that I've, I know what I'm doing. I've got this. So things like that. And, and again, recalibrating re, uh, my physical stance when I'm about to take the podium that always helps me and breathing and then the mental soundtrack again. So I just layer all those on top of each other and it gets me through it. It yeah. really does. I like that's so many, like, yeah. I feel it's like a lot. that's like several, <laughs> well, not even so many, like, whoa, that's a lot. Just more like, I feel like that's like several really good ideas that I haven't thought about. I really like the idea of like the physical manifestation mm -hmm. of that. That's, that kind of reminds me, what is that movie like Made in Manhattan where the speaker had this like paperclip and he channeled all of his nervous energy into the paperclip? I remember th that stuck with me for mm -hmm. some reason, yeah. probably for a reason, because yeah. I was like, I need like a paperclip or a worry stone or like yeah. a some sort of physical thing mm -hmm. that reminds you like you're here, you're fine, et cetera. But I like we were just actually talking before we started recording, too, about like notes and preparation and stuff. And I I have used one of those I've gotten away with. I've gotten away from or I've tried to really um sticking too hard to a script about what I want to say because I um I feel I have a narrative about myself that I'm a much better writer than I am anything else in communication I love writing so I think that I can put my most perfect example of something on a page so when I do write out my things before giving a talk or speaking with somebody or a presentation or anything like that I tend to get really really beholden to my perfect version of what I put on the page and if I miss a word or I take something out of order I immediately have start having judgments about myself that I'm failing the presentation when in reality I mean nobody knows I put those words in that order except for me so um yeah I've started to get away from over over preparing for that perspective too and I think it's been helpful so I like the idea of even like the 24 or 48 hour thing like that sounds risky to me right now in my brain I'm like oh my gosh no I couldn't do like two days of not preparing right before an event but like I could get behind like the the day thing sounds like okay it sounds okay right now yeah, it's 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 just it's so interesting to me. I feel like I say that every time you describe <laughs> these things because like I, I'm just like taken aback by all of it because growing up, I like I said, I played sports and in high school, every time we would go to an away game when the bus would stop, like in the parking lot of the school we were going to or something, I would play this same song like I had my song that was like my song and that was when we're getting off the bus because that's the moment I need to like get my head in the game like going to the locker room putting my stuff down and getting on the field and like that song would take me through that process was it you too <laughs> <laughs> no it was um was it from the free album that they sent you no <laughs> she's like screw this free album but I'm gonna listen to it for my pregame 
it was I can't even remember what it was. Oh, it was like an R and B or like rap song. It was not. <laughs> it wasn't even like a pump up song. I God, what was it? I can't remember right now. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember. But if I remember it, I'll post it on the Instagram. But anyway. I haven't carried that through into law school or into my career now. And it's, I don't know why, because it is the same thing. Essentially, it's still a performance. It's still something that I like have to do. So I'm going to, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try to remember what the song was and maybe try to (laughs) listen to that song. There is a U2 song called Get Out of Your Own Way. Oh, (laughs) sounds like it's on point. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll have to forgive them. My stepdad really does love them. So he would probably be happy with me if I, if I started listening to them more. Um, all right. The, so, okay. So, so that was, did we do six and seven? So seven is, we haven't done seven. Okay. Okay. So step seven, tell us about step seven. Step seven is really just reflecting on each of the events themselves. So it's instead of just getting through an event and being relieved it's so important to reflect on what went well and also and also I I used to take a writing class from this teacher in New York who said it's we don't want to criticize something by saying what was bad but she she used to say what could use more love so um (laughs) so I like to frame it like that that okay I I reflect on what went well what what part of my process worked what am I what part of my rituals worked and what could use more love what could I adjust for next time and so just taking three to five minutes to reflect on each event maybe writing that down Mm -hmm. so you don't forget because I don't know about you but when I come out of an event I am so wiped out I mean that's that's the introvert part of me yeah I give a presentation and I have to go lie down in a dark cold space (laughs) um but I need to reflect on what happened and just making making sure that we do reflect really helps us in the next event See, that's how I know I'm an extrovert because I'll be up on a stage like giving a talk and like through the talk, I feel myself getting more and more excited to like talk to more people about it. And then when I'm done, like people are coming up to me and I'm just like, yes, let's talk more. Let me answer these questions. Like that's how I I know. Yeah. Like it like buzzes me up. Like I used to love, I don't love public speaking as much now because I think it probably similarly to you, more of the social anxiety comes up. But I remember being in middle school, like, literally just like couldn't wait for speech day i would get up there be so jazzed the rest of the day it gives me so much energy like once i feel like it's like going well and i get over myself a little bit i'm like cool let's talk all day and all night and go out after this like like i can't i can't be in a room i'm too excited it's too much yeah and it's funny because i've i know i'm shaking your head yeah (laughs) i'm the opposite because i'm having so much fun right now but even as soon as this is over i'm gonna need a nap (laughs) (laughs) well i probably will need that too so The last question I want to ask to kind of wrap things up here, because we're extroverts, you're an introvert, but we've had really great conversation. And we talked a little bit last episode about putting what we are in our signature line in our emails so that we can communicate better. How do you think that introverts and extroverts, especially in the workplace as lawyers, can communicate better? First of all, I love your putting in the email idea. Um, <laughs> Let's I think do it. Let's solve all the problems of the world. <laughs> But I think having conversations where we're not, it's not that we're making excuses for for how we act or we're not asking for special treatment either way, whether you're extrovert or introvert, but we're just saying how we thrive. Like I thrive when I can edit this brief and close my door. Um, I'm not being antisocial. I just need two hours to finish this brief so my door is going to be closed. I even suggested at one point I create like this little introvert um, card for my my doorknob. (laughs) I mean, people were like, you can't do that. But, um, 
but things like that, like really expressing why we need that particular yeah. scenario and, and how we thrive. Maybe some of us, like I, I really am light sensitive too. So I, my office is constantly dark and people are like, why aren't your lights on? I thrive when my lights aren't on. But other people, I think to your point, people should just have more conversations about it. But without making excuses and without asking for, you know, special treatment or whatever, but it's, it's how we can help each other thrive and how teams can work really well together too. Because you might have extroverts and introverts on a team and they're just not jiving very well until they talk about how they can contribute best. And I think the more we talk about this stuff and get excited to learn about how each other thrives, I think we'll just really change office dynamics and interpersonal dynamics, team dynamics, leadership, because we aren't, we aren't the same and that's, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I feel like I want workplaces, and I know some already do this, like personality tests and stuff, but I feel like I want workplaces to focus more on this introversion and extroversion thing because I think it says so much about a person's personality, the way they learn, the way they work in a team, like you just said. And I think that if everyone just understood each other better, which I think is what you're getting at, if we just understood each other better, we could communicate better, we could have better teamwork, we could do all of these things so much better, and there would potentially be less frustrations and less like unspoken misunderstandings and miscommunications and things like that because like I said with my coworker that I didn't realize at the time was an introvert I'd call her up and have a question for her and I'd be like okay I was I needed like a five second answer and now like we're talking about this much longer than I needed to and like it's coming out of you much slower and I'm getting impatient but when she finally got there it was like exactly what I needed and I would call her again the next time because I knew she would give me the answer. But at the time, I didn't understand why it was taking so long and I was getting impatient. But now that I understand this, I would have like now she doesn't work with me anymore, but I would have known, OK, just like I said, schedule that call for 15 minutes later, give her time to think about it, and then we can touch base on it. And and I think that if we all just kind of take that time to understand the other person and how we communicate those moments wouldn't happen as much. The frustrations wouldn't happen as much. I agree. And I think the more we share about how we thrive, we also need to frame it that one one character trait is, or one personality style is not better than the other, but yep. we're both great. We yep. both have assets that we bring to a law office environment. Because I think that, the, that sometimes law office leaders sort of favor one personality type over the other, but both really bring a lot to the table. And so the more we have these conversations and emphasize that we all have a lot to contribute, I think that'll really help. Yeah, I think d diversity, once again, just enriches like this space. And I think getting rid of those assumptions about how we should be and how we should act in a school or work environment, et cetera, is super important. And I am personally going to work on my assumptions about still going to continue my work. All right. That was all the questions that I think we have. Do you have anything else, Laura? I think I'm good. Okay. Do you have anything else you want to add, Heidi? Any yeah. questions for us? I'm so thankful. We've exhausted her. This is I know. fun. <laughs> We've exhausted her with our extroversion. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, then let's move on. Well, so first of all, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a very fun conversation. I've learned so much. I'm sure our listeners are learning. I know, Laura, you're yes. learning. So we really, really appreciate it. We're definitely going to stay in touch with you. We're definitely going to read Untangling Fear and Lawyering as one of our book club um, books going forward. So so thank you, seriously. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but now, okay, so we told you ahead of time we're going to do Happy Pills and Homework. Our um, 
the way that we usually end each episode because a lot of times these conversations can get a little bit deep a little bit heavy when we're talking about mental health um we like to just end with a little bit of a positive note something positive that's happened in the last week or something we're looking forward to um i'm unprepared so someone else <laughs> do you want to go mine's really cheesy and you're gonna make fun of me <laughs> <laughs> i can't wait it has to do with my band again. Yes. <laughs> awesome. So what made me happy last weekend was I have these two girlfriends that I met um, from going to rock concerts. Yeah. And one of them lives in California and one lives in Louisiana. And for their one of their birthdays last weekend, they wanted to do this road trip. And I don't know if you have known of the album YouTube's Joshua Tree, but there's literally a Joshua Tree. But the tree is dead and it's in the middle of the desert. And they wanted to go find it. So I'm like, okay. So <laughs> we literally drove like three and a half hours into the desert and found this dead tree. And there's all these cool memorabilia that fans from all over the world have left. But it's, it's just the sweetest, most positive thing from people all over the world have like gone on a hike into the middle of the desert to find this thing. But on the introversion point, I have this t-shirt. And one of the lyrics is, I want to run, I want to hide. And to me, it's like the most introverted line <laughs> of any music song in history. So I had this T-shirt, and I, ha I had my friend take a picture of the back of my shirt, and it says, I want to hide. And I was like, okay, this is my introverted rock star moment. So <laughs> I don't know, it just made me happy that, that these girls that I met randomly, we've maintained this friendship. And then through just liking the music, we trekked out in the middle of this desert in California, and then all these fans from all over the world had left, like, drumsticks and mm -hmm. hearts, and, so cool. and then they took, cool. like, rocks and put them in the shape of hearts Aww. or, like, different words. It was just really neat. That's so amazing. That was my happy that. moment. Yeah. I've always wanted to go to that park anyway, but I didn't know about that, and, like, what a cool... It's really cool. Yeah, wow. It's very strange and really cool. No, I love that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's strange at all. I think okay. that's so cool. I, I want to do it. I don't even listen to you two, and I'm still mad at them, but I want to do that. <laughs> well, I'm sad we couldn't make fun of you, because that was, like, actually a really cool one, so I guess I'll save my spikes later for Caitlin or something um oh my happy pill I'm piggybacking off of Caitlin's happy pill from two weeks ago but oh yeah Laura totally copied me <laughs> she's butthurt but it's fine um I got a well I didn't get a, a, a brand new car but I got a new car to me Yay. um yeah I traded in my little baby infinity convertible which I love very very much but she's an old girl and her top no longer goes down which is the main purpose of me having that car so I went full on gay and I got a Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> so I'm super excited for that. My dog is Aww. is excited. Well, she's skeptical. I shouldn't say that. I was very excited for my dog to be excited for the Jeep because, I don't know, I'm like super looking forward to like mudding around and rivering around in it. And I won't be destroying my car anymore because it's a Jeep and it's like, you know, made to be destroyed a little bit. And um but she's decided that it's a little bit too tall for her. This dog is, by the way, uh, 90 pounds. She's very tall. She's very lanky. She's a Weimaraner. Yeah, she's Aww. a Weimaraner. She's big. What's her name? Uh, Willow, like the tree. And I put her in the car, and I was like, Willow, it's your new car. Like, Mama got you a car. Like, once again, here we go. And she just looked at me, and she was like, I'm going to need some help down. And she just kept on staring at the ground and looking at me like, where's my ramp? And I'm like, all right, we're going to have to get over this because this is our car now. So I'm not getting her a ramp. It's ridiculous. Or she'll put her like front legs up in the car and turn around and look at me like, can you get my back legs? And I'm like, dude, 
no you gotta be kidding me <laughs> but it's a good thing it's my happy pill for this week so that's fun yours is way cooler but um um <laughs> i like my wrangler so far it's good okay I've come up with one. My happy pill is that this weekend I'm going to a murder mystery party with a bunch of my good friends from law school that I haven't seen in a long time. Um, like a bunch of us live in Richmond, but life is just so insane that things pile up every weekend and I'm always traveling and I don't get as much time to see them as I want to. So I'm very, very excited. I'm looking forward to that this weekend. It will be really fun. Yay. Yay. All right. Homework. Okay. Your homework from us this week is one, to finish The Introverted Lawyer if you haven't. If you have, pick up Untangling Fear and Lawyering and read that one. Um, and then, of course, like start working through these seven steps. Um, Heidi's given us a bunch of great information on the podcast. You can read even more in her books. And I think they're really helpful for all of us, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. They can be helpful and applicable in a lot of situations. Do you have any homework for our listeners? I do. Yes, so the, love it. So the book I mentioned at the beginning um, or earlier about Julia Cameron's The Artist Way, in addition to the morning pages, which is what she calls the journaling, she, she emphasizes that once a week we should take ourselves on an artist date, she calls it. And I have, I have not, I've been a slacker about not doing my artist dates, but I'm going to give myself the homework that you just need to do something artistic during the week. It can be going to an art gallery. It can be you know, painting something, it can be making a bracelet, it can be literally taking a pile of rocks and putting them in the shape of a heart if you want, N no matter what, just something artistic. And it somehow her process, like it builds on the morning pages. So it just, the creativity helps us just feel better. And I, I love doing it. So I'm going to make myself do that this week. I love that. Yeah. You, Laura, do um, pottery every week. That ends soon, so I'll probably transition. I'll, I dabble in watercoloring too when I like get the. I love artsy stuff, so I will for sure if I can make that as like a weekly thing as a thing that I'm doing for my mental health yes. as well, and not just being like, oh, I don't feel like reading this thing. Let's go paint a picture mm -hmm. of something. Um, cool. I'm down for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I will just say I am not artistic and. Um, trying to be creative stresses me out because I don't know how to do it. And then like my perfectionism kicks in and I can't be creative. So what my, I think my version of that is um, playing soccer or doing something athletic. So it, I think it can kind of be whatever you want, but I think a lot of our listeners probably are more creative. I just don't happen to be, um, but I love that. I do love like having that one thing for yourself that helps you just like it's just that outlet that you need. Um, so, yeah, mine is playing soccer, doing something athletic. But, yeah, I like that. I love it. Good. All right. All right. That's good? it. Thank Yay. you, Heidi. Thank Bye. you, Heidi. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Talk to you soon. Bye.